Now, it was impromptu, so I don't have video of it. Wow, right? You know, uh, I would have, I asked Rick if he was going to, and he said, well, I got to tell you, I'm kind of amazed myself. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, was this a surprise? And he said, yes, we hadn't planned that. He said, you know, I haven't played the trumpet in a long time. I've recently picked it back up again. And he said, you know, I've been practicing, and I really practice and preparation, he said. Practice and preparation. Well, what a great transition to Advent. As I mentioned, today is the first Sunday of Advent. We prepare our hearts. We listen. We wait for the coming of Jesus. Now, many of you may have received this Advent devotional as a gift from TPC. And it is Enuma Okoro's Silence and Other Surprising Invitations of Advent. And I want to thank all of the deacons and the session and the staff that helped deliver these gifts. And a special shout out to Kim Crasco, who packaged them and organized the distribution and did so many of her, uh, on her own she distributed them. So, uh, so thankful uh, for her and uh, thank you for all of you that helped to be a part of this. Now, Okoro's devotional focuses on Zachariah and Elizabeth, uh, two devout uh, parents, they're elderly, of John the Baptist. Often, when we hear the Christmas story, we hear about an angel appearing to Mary. Well, in Luke chapter 1, we hear about an angel appearing to Zachariah. Luke has... 80 verses, and I'm going to go ahead and read all of... No, I'm only kidding. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, our text this morning, which is Luke 1, 5 to 14. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abujah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother Aaron. Now both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Well, when you hear that story, what stands out to you? You know, I've heard this story many times, and it really wasn't until reading Okoro's devotional that I began to see the richness of the text and how it applies to my life and maybe to yours as well. Here's just a few of the highlights uh, that uh, Okoro talks about and kind of paraphrased from the story we just read. So in the time of Herod, now you might just kind of move right past those five words, but for somebody living in that time, they would have known how difficult that was. Because Herod was a tyrannical, cruel, vindictive leader that on a whim would uh, eliminate, in case we have younger ears listening, uh, on a whim, the people around him, including his own family. It was a very dark time. And I am sure that the people would have been discouraged and wondering, what was God up to? And yet God was about to turn on the lights. And then we read how both Zechariah and Elizabeth were blameless and righteous, and yet they were not able to conceive. Barrenness at that time would have been a disgrace. It would have meant that they were outside of God's favor. And then there's just the practical question of who would take care of us as we got older? And Okoro offers... We are reminded that even devout, obedient people harbor the tension of unanswered prayers, and yet they remain faithful. And then the assembled worshipers were praying outside. I completely miss that line every time I have read this text. So while Zechariah has been chosen to do what is probably something he will only be able to do once in his lifetime. I mean, they drew lots. There were more priests than that were needed. There was one temple, and this was his moment to go into the temple and to light that incense, which was symbolic of the rising up to God, of the prayers and the longings of the people. And the believing community was outside of the temple praying for Zechariah. And Akuro reminds us that we too need a believing community that encourages us, that supports us, and that prays for us. You know, sometimes we get too prayed out or too exhausted, and we can bear each other's burdens prayerfully until we can regain our strength. You know, we don't know how people's prayers have impacted our lives. And we don't know how our prayers have impacted somebody else's life. But I can stand here today and tell you that I would not be here if not for the prayers and the support and the encouragement of all of you and this believing community. And then the angel appears to Zechariah in the temple, and he says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. I love how the angel uh, says his name. Zechariah is known, and so are we. 
Now, Zachariah's prayers would have been to have a child. We know that. But many commentators also believe that, you know, at some point, Zechariah may have felt that that ship had passed, and he may also have been praying. God, it has been 400 years since we have heard your voice. It is silent. Please come into this darkness and shine your light. Fill you, uh, fulfill your promise, Lord. Restore your people. And the angel continues, your wife will bear a son, and you will call him John. And John was a delight to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he grew up to prepare the way for the Messiah. And God answered the prayers of Zechariah by restoring God's people through the gift of Jesus, which we will celebrate four weeks from today. This would have been more than they could ever have hoped for or imagined. So if Advent is a season of preparing, if it is a season of waiting, of being intentional about listening, preparing for the coming of Jesus, how do we do that? Well, there is a practice of preparation. I just kind of made that up, or that's what I'm calling it. Where we, I'm encouraging us together. It's so amazing to hear Rosemary's prayer. Because it really is this sermon. Where we come together and spend time every day reading the day's devotion. For the next 27 or 28 days. And if you don't have this devotion, maybe you have another devotion. Or maybe if you can just open up Scripture. You can read the uh, beginning chapters of each of the Gospels. You can Philippians, Ephesians, uh, reading God's Word. But then, after you've read it, set your timer for five to ten minutes. And be present in those few moments. Still and quiet, listening, breathing in the promises of God, and exhaling those things that we want to let go of. And maybe asking God, what is he inviting you to? You know, maybe it's sharing a gift that maybe you're not very comfortable or confident with. And yet, maybe you're afraid, oh, I might miss a note, but you lean into it, as Rick did, and you um, take the risk because you don't know what the impact will be on those around you. And maybe it is from the story, reflecting on when God has reminded you, do not be afraid, insert your own name in there. Or when you are feeling like this is a dark time. God, shine your light in the midst of the circumstances that I am facing. Or it is praise for a believing community that is sustaining you. And we develop intimacy with God when we spend time with him. 
We also gain a clear understanding of ourselves, which we'll find out in a few minutes how important that is. When we set aside all the disruptions around us. Now, this is not about success or failure. It's not about volume, you know, how many chapters can I read. It's not about performance. And it's not about judgment. If you miss days, it's okay, just pick up and start again. This is about a rhythm of consistency, of growing deeper roots, so that when uh, we are anchored, when those storms of life come our way, when the joys and the pain, the sadness, we are anchored in Christ. Now, this was affirmed a few weeks ago when we had a therapist uh, come onto our campus. He actually directs a Christian counseling center nearby. And he came and spent uh, some time with us out on the patio, about 45 to 50 uh, youth and adults, parents. And one of the things that he said was, remember to be gracious to yourselves. Be gracious to yourselves. Hmm. He said, you know, we have never been through a pandemic before. And sometimes we try to fill in all the gaps especially for those that we love. Well, we're not going to be able to do that. So be gracious with yourself. Be gracious with one another. Be gracious within your families. Be gracious with those you encounter every day. Be gracious in your community and to your world. When Tom Napoli and I were leading a small group after they had kind of broken us uh, into small groups, Tom asked a really thoughtful question, uh, and he said to the junior high, if you were to, you know, years down the road, I think he said 10, but let's hope it's more of 100 or 200 or more, but if you were to um, have somebody that was your age going through a pandemic, what words of encouragement would you give them? And the first was, good luck, <laughs> but that's junior high. <laughs> But then it continued, and people shared, don't give up. I heard that in the song this morning. And it's just take one day at a time. And don't forget, you're not facing this alone. And then the, finally, the therapist highlighted how important it is for us to gain a clear understanding of ourselves. And how we need to uh, acknowledge the sadness, the grief, the loss, and the change that we have all experienced in this pandemic. And that we need to be in touch with how we are feeling. You know, as humans, we don't really like to go through or face pain. We like to go around it, over it, under it, but we have to walk through it. Or as in the words of the therapist said, or we're going to be like a Coke can. That when it is shaken, it is going to explode all over us and the people around us. Maybe in this practice of preparation, in these five to ten minutes, you can be honest with God. Understand what are you feeling? I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm doubting. 
I am not sure what's next. Feel it. And also, the gratitude you can express, the praise, the thanksgiving that God is with us. And his healing light and love enters in and reminds us that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He faces whatever we face with us. And when we do this, God in this most intimate times helps us see exactly where we are so that we can offer our vulnerability to God and to kind of have a check and balance of where we're at and how we're doing. And this comes with practice and preparation. And I want to introduce you to someone who understands practice and preparation and God's grace. Her, her name is Sister Madonna Buder, and you are seeing a picture of her now. Her nickname is Iron Nun because she's not only been a Catholic nun for 65 years, but she has competed in more than 340 triathlons and 45 full marathons. That's swimming 2.4 miles, biking 112 miles right after swimming, and then continuing running 26.2 miles. She is one of the oldest humans to ever complete, finish an Ironman triathlon at the age of 82. This is her at 82. She started running in her late 40s and competed in her first triathlon at the age of 52. She says she prepares and practices every day. Todd Bolsinger tells the story of being at a pre-triathlon dinner with her. And someone asked her to share a few words of encouragement with her competitors. And her message was simple. And I think this transcends competitive racing. Tomorrow, when you are out there, huh, I don't know why this happens all the time. I get so emotional. Um, they all start again. That whenever, uh, and everyone hits a dark moment. Oh, I got to start over, sorry. Tomorrow, when you are out there and you hit a dark moment, and everyone hits a dark moment, when things are tough, remember, you were loved into existence. If you get discouraged and you want to quit, if you get injured and you can't finish, if things don't go the way you had hoped, even though you have trained and prepared for this day for months, or even years, even then remember, you were loved into existence before you have done anything at all. This is true about Jesus. Before a single miracle happened, something was done for him. John the Baptist baptized him in the River Jordan. And a voice God said, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Friends, before we have done anything, 
We have been loved into existence. We have been known and we have been loved by God. And even when we fail in our efforts, which we most assuredly will, God's love never fails. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Let's start together, and if some of you do this already, then continue for the next 27 to 28 days. Let's create some sacred space, five to 10 minutes, where we spend time with God, where we listen to the Creator, express and whisper His love, and the reminder that He is with us, and that that is only made possible because of what we celebrate on Christmas, and that is the Christ child, our Savior, born, alive, living in our lives today. Amen. Now, we continue our worship this morning with our tithes and offerings. And you know, during a pandemic, our ministry has been able to continue. And it's part of it is because we have had this campus and this sanctuary because of your generous support. Thank you. We have had children and parents and youth uh, on this campus. We have had uh, uh, packaging for our mission nights. We've had our women's Bible study. We've had outdoor worship. We've had indoor worship because of this campus. So thank you. And know that when you give, that you are blessing the community here, but you are giving and impacting all over the world missionaries in ways that we probably will never know, but God does. So thank you for your faithful giving. You can give online, you can drop a check off, uh, or you can mail it in. But let's pray for the offering this morning. God, we do thank you and praise you for the gifts that you have so generously given to us. God, we pray that they will be used for your glory to bring healing. God, to bring hope, to bring the resources needed. God, we pray that we will give you all of ourselves, be devoted to you, spend time with you that we may reflect your love and your light and your hope in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 